Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your host, the number one fuck boy, the number one fuck blah, fuck blah. I try to make my engineer, Chris, uh, rock his head back and forth when I scream, fuck blah. Guys, it's another episode of High and Mighty, and my guest is uh, one of my favorite improvisers, teachers, perf- performance partners. I, I would teach you. Uh, no, but I took a uh, workshop. hard note once. You gave me hard note, yeah, over a fu- <laughs> over a phone call. But uh, you gave me. Uh, I took your workshops when you were okay. doing uh, premise based stuff, guys. If you don't know that voice and you listen to podcasts, I don't know what's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? Yeah, shitheads. <laughs> shitheads. Is that like your little monsters? <laughs> yeah, they're they're like my Lady Gaga little monsters. Uh-huh. Except my listeners are genuinely culturally considered shitheads as okay. well. It's not just what I name them, guys. Matt Besser is in the Headgum Studios today. Hey, shitheads, little shitheads. <laughs> Keep being human, shitheads. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, the host of Improv for Humans, the creator of a UCB, and the uh, CISO Starboy, if you will. Uh, the UCB Starboy. Starboy. <laughs> First draft. Bo- On CISO.com. <laughs> Bowie's like, should we make it, man? It's creepy to say Starboy. <laughs> Um, Besser, thanks so much for doing my podcast. I've done yours so many times. Yeah, and I said in my AMA yesterday, you were my MVP of 2015. Oh, thank you. You and Mary Holland. Oh, Mary Holland is an MVP in my heart as well. She's one of my favorite performers. Hmm. Um, I will always do Improv for Humans. It is a blast to do. I never did radio improv before, and if that's what it's still called. Nobody and- <laughs> did. I try to get you on the music episodes. I feel those are kind of a treat. And the weed episode is obviously a treat, but <laughs> you're good on all of them. I just need an excuse to smoke weed. Yeah. And finally, I have one. It's for work, babe. Well, when I heard high and mighty, I figured, so you're just going to get high every time? And 
it, that's sort of uh, that's how it started. Yeah, and I'm often some you know not often, but I get high before mm-hmm. this recording. I get you high, high before right I do- now. What? No, it's a little too early, and I gotta mm. I gotta drive to Brentwood after this, so oh. I'm too afraid to drive. The OJ stoned. tour. Yeah, I'm doing the OJ late. tour. Can't do that stoned. I'm going out. To- <laughs> <laughs> that's my only Brentwood <laughs> reference. Sorry, guys. I, I, I don't got. know. I didn't even know that's where that took place. That, but I just agreed with you. What the fuck is there? It's gotta be a shoot. Yeah, it's like a guy's office that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. He uh, lives over there and built an office over there. Not built one, but rented one. <laughs> um, Besser, you, when we were talking about what you wanted to come on the episode and talk about, uh, you kept saying, I want to talk about my daughter. I want to talk about my daughter. And I was like, can we please do an episode about something else? <laughs> I do. Bring, I am that guy that brings her up every day now, but... That's my life. I don't know. That's my reference. It's hard not to. Like, yeah, it's hard not to. Anything new in your life is hard not to bring up in conversation. And if it's a new human that's living in your house with you that is genetically, share, shares a, a bunch of genetics with you, it, that's nearly impossible not to talk about. Yeah, but it is one of the oldest kind of j- jokes is like people showing pictures of their kids and the other person, the thought bubble is like, who fucking gives a fuck? Or someone telling a cute story and it's... it's just are not you, that cute. Are you concerned that because of your uh, position of power in some places that you are accidentally trapping people that are like, I better just be cool with best. Oh, I think everybody does that. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. think you have to be in any position of power. Just not, it's... You, it's hard to say, I don't want to look at a picture of your kid But right But now. I double think it when I'm like about to, I'm not a picture guy anyway, but I am, I will tell a story and I'll be halfway through the story. I'm like, this just isn't that good a story. This is just <laughs> cute for my wife and I. And now I got to finish the story and really sell it at the end. Yeah, you can tell, like, uh, in level one when uh, a performer's monologue is not going well. They and then they lie. just they just start, like, ratcheting it up at the end. It's and like... And I murdered some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's when Ralph pants. Julia came in. Um, but I think I think a lot of people are pro-kids stories in our really? age groups as yeah, we get older. I guess they're all either thinking about it or just starting it. Right. And I'm down to hear uh I'm down to hear kids stories. You're probably and, thinking about it hard right now. Uh yeah, we're thinking about it real hard every other day uh-huh. <laughs> starting 10 days after a period. Nice. <laughs> Doggy style, my friend. Is that the trick? <laughs> I think uh, doggy style gets it up up in there the most, and uh, <laughs> making her orgasm will give you a boy. Those are the, the mythology. Well, I'm having a girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I guess I'm having a girl. <laughs> will a dildo get her pregnant? <laughs> well, yeah. Can you get her pregnant from going down on her? <laughs> um, but when I asked you what you want to talk about, you brought up prank comedy, which is. Uh, Something that I am pretty, I, I, I loved Buzzkill when I was a kid. I, I liked, uh, I'm afraid to say I loved Punked early on, you know. They stole Punked from my show, Stung. Stung? Mm-hmm. Oh, did you, did you have like a pilot? I had it on air, Stung with Method Man and Red Man. That Ever was I you? I told you about that. Yeah, that was me. It was <gasps> us three. That's so funny. No, I don't think I ever heard about it. I think I remember seeing it or seeing a promo for it. I was in every prank. That's so funny. So tell us a little bit about Stung. This is I like. Should these we kinda... jump to that one? Let's jump okay. to Stung for now. So after UCB, like prank is the reason I brought it up. I was like, I don't know how many things I know a lot about, but this is something. Uh, 
after UCB, I think during UCB we had prank elements on every show, and I like think, the LDF, uh, the Little Donnie yes. Foundation. I um, was a, that's by the way that was my entry level into UCB theater. Here, let's start with that one. Oh yeah, let's start. Let's start with UCB four. Okay, the UCB let's show. start. Let's start there. Okay. Uh, I just want to say that the TV show is what got me to take class because I was a comedy nerd and watched everything. And I had no idea mm-hmm. anything that it, about improv. I mean, I mm-hmm. did short form in college. And then I was in New York, saw the UCB space um, with uh, on 22nd Street with the big uh, 3D glasses outside. Right. And I was like, those are the guys with that hilarious Comedy Central show. They have a live theater. And then I went up and I Yahoo searched or dogpile Alta Vista, you know, as pre-proto right. Google. What is this, 2000, 2001? This would be 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. And when I looked it up, it was like improv classes and it, and there was like uh the description had like counterinsurgency hand-to-hand combat and jungle oh, yeah. warfare that's, techniques that's the old school one which i think you can still see i think it's called uprightcitizens.org. it's still there oh that's awesome and when i saw that i was like i'm taking a class the next summer i'm home from school and i did that next summer to take level one it's the uh, most user unfriendly <laughs> site but i think it sums up the ucb personality yeah. Like if you could find us, you could you definitely want to take classes with us or navigate the fucking site. <laughs> yeah, I remember I I rode the train into the city and gave Chad Carter three hundred dollars cash in an envelope. Because <laughs> I had those all my bartending money. He said, "Make me a guy code star yeah. someday." I I want to eventually go tour for two hundred dollars a performance. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years from now, I want to be making two hundred dollars a gig. <laughs> Um, but so you guys started doing pranks with the UCB for it. Now, that yeah. I've- well, when we had a, I'll go back even further. In in Chicago, when we used to do stage shows, I think we were all kind of like Andy Kaufman kind of uh, fans, and we always liked to have one time in the show there be something that fooled the theater audience. And probably one of the first easy ones was we had a, a critic in the front row taking notes during the show like visibly taking notes and at one point in the show and he's not laughing the whole time at one point in the show I grab the notepad from him and we start reading the negative criticism of our show and then we rip up his notepad and we threaten to fight him and break a (laughs) bottle over his head and of course it's a prank (laughs) so you'd have like a a friend in the crowd pretend to be a critic that's all (laughs) and and then we started and then we kind of started to get known for that thing we felt like anything that happened inside the theater people would suspect was bullshit so we started to take him outside the theater and we did a few things um the one the most famous one is the one Adam McKay gets up on the building saying he's commit suicide and we throw a mannequin off, off and you of guys it. advertised I, I love this story yeah. by the way I'm a, uh, <laughs> you advertised that so and so will kill himself yeah it's McKay's headshot <laughs> I will kill myself and he gets on the roof and he's like you motherfuckers this is what you paid to see what's wrong with you and they knew that was bullshit. They obviously knew he wasn't going to... Th- Maybe people who read the flyer didn't, but <laughs> I think the crowd didn't didn't really think he's going to kill himself, but we really did throw a life-size mannequin off of a fucking, what, eight to ten-story building, 
And it, I remember, I, I can't believe we didn't plan the, that. That's the story that used to be. We just didn't plan it out at all. And it just hit, I think it hit the top of like a parking sign and bounced off that onto a car that had nothing to do with our show or anything. And I can't remember the damage it did, but I was like, oh, Fucking shit. The second it's flying, you're like, oh, we didn't pick where this should land. So much shit where in mid mid thing, oh, we should have thought about this more, including another time in that same location, which was in Wicker Park. Was this uh, a theater Chicago. that uh, UCB was regularly renting out and performing at? Or is this something we that We were was in a- probably seven different theaters and got kicked out or shut down every single <laughs> venue. Every single venue we were in, except for maybe the Red Orchid Theater. So you guys were friends from doing improv at I.O. and Second City. Yeah, but and we that- never did UCB shows at I.O. because um, it was all improv. And um, so, and you guys were like, we want to do some sketch stuff together, and you guys all... Yeah, we wanted to be the next Kids in the Hall. It was a and very her- specific mission. And Horatio and McKay were sort of part of this original group, too? Without question. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, but Horatio's story is we were like, we're going to have, let's have a riot. And we brought people outside and we had tiki torches and fucking realistic looking <laughs> fake guns. <laughs> we did shut down traffic. What year is this? Like mid 90s? Yeah, this is, no, not even probably like 90, 91. 90, 91. <laughs> um, so awesome. Because shit you could not do now. <laughs> no, you'd get fucking shot. But we shut down traffic, and the cops were there really quick. A, a squad car pulled up, threw Horatio into the back of the car. He never broke character, was yelling, fight the power, while he was getting put in handcuffs. <laughs> I, I'd like to think I'm off. a ballsy performer, but I would give up the second cops car. That guy, oh, scatter, yeah. scatter, scatter. <laughs> and the audience thought, this time it was kind of almost like an inverse prank. Like they thought, oh, the cops are in on it, and they weren't in on it. And we were like, shit, not only do we have to finish this show somehow, we have to go bail Horatio out immediately. <laughs> but we had this other prank that we did every show where we would take them outside, and Horatio, we did this bit where we were crossing the street. It's not important what the bit is, but he would always get hit by a car. And he would do this roll over the front hood of the car, and that did fool the audience just about every time. So a friend of yours would be in the car, or it was McKay in the car doing simultaneously videotaping this other bit that we then played at the end of the show on a TV. Oh, so you brought them out in the middle of the show? Yeah, and then brought them back into the theater. Yeah, it was like a fucking two-hour show. <laughs> we take them out like halfway into the show. Halfway through the show, take him outside. They'd see that bit. We'd come back. McKay would come back from his virtual reality tour with this guy. We'd show a video of that, including the moment where Horatio gets hit by the car. That's so fun. And so, virtual reality was the name of the show. Yeah, that was right. Because I, I thought I remember seeing that poster at, up that was at our uh, first show. Street. Yeah, supposedly every scene was us putting the crowd into a virtual reality situation. Oh, that was the. Con- How would you feel now if you found out that, uh, like, say, the Birthday Boys or Big Grande was doing a two-hour show at Franklin where they brought people out and there was like pranks and stunts throughout? Would you? I mean, obviously, besides I the, think we ha- there has been things where people went out, like even in New York. Uh, I remember this show that did that uh getting hit by a car that's a whole other thing uh, <laughs> now two you're... hour shows don't exist in la right that 
when we be- left Chicago, that was so eye-opening because um, we even the show we brought to New York, I think, was at least an hour and a half. And we got there, every agent manager was like, "What are you guys thinking? No one does shows these long." Yeah, so you guys at that point had to bring it down to like a half hour to yep. an hour tops. Yep. We made exactly a half hour show, which was painful for us. We didn't even know how to do it. Because uh, even even long form improv in Chicago at that time was that longer than a half hour? All no, the, that it, was a half. It hour. was still a half. Like the Heralds were still a half hour. But when you don't have a director, like sketches, like people call SNL sketches long. I mean, our sketches were all so long they'd be like seven minutes long because no one wanted to cut anything. Right, because because you were getting laughs the whole time too, and you're yeah, or, and you're inside of it, or you, you think I'll get laughs next week. All I have to do is. You weren't thinking cutting. You were just thinking of making better. Um, right. Or even like finding it within the sketch too. Like, oh, one more minute. We went on that little tangent. In the oh, middle and of the that sketch. was the other thing. Just improvise. Like once again, without directors, you'd get bored of the sketch. So you'd start improvising within it and yeah. forget about it. I could, I could picture Walsh wanting to. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that other sketches would come from that. But back to the prank, one more I tell is we did this uh, – show called conference on the future of happiness and each one of us had our philosophy of happiness it was presented like it was a uh one of those conventions like tony robbins kind of thing and we brought him outside and we did a few things outside one was mine was you can't do what your parents never everything your parents told you is limiting you so you have to disobey your parents and we saw this (laughs) mom and kid walking by on the sidewalk and I said, hey, kid, come over here. <laughs> um, this bet, already would get you arrested anywhere else. <laughs> I bet your mom told you never play with fireworks. Don't hold them in your hands, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'd get this kid uh, to hold the firework in his hand and then point it towards his head. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would light the fuse. <laughs> It was kind of like a psychological, a sociological experiment. Like, who's going to let me fucking do this? You know. And of course, it was a, it was a fake firework, and the kid was a plant. Oh, Um, it was like a friend who had a child. (laughs) And in that same one, McKay's philosophy was: you have to break the laws of society. They're holding you down. And we would run down this alley with the entire fucking audience, which was like fifty people. Run down a Chicago alley. So and we'd see through this bay window, like, oh, check it out, that dude's practicing his practicing his electric guitar. And uh McKay's like, Let's go steal it. <laughs> Run into the back door of the house and you could see through the window all this happening. <laughs> Him beat the guy up, steal the guitar. <laughs> Come running out of the house. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> a fucking mob of people giddily laughing and going, what the fuck is going on as we run down an alley? That's And so you happen to have someone that lived near the theater yeah. who had that window. So, oh, that is so... That goes so far beyond like yeah, brainstorming. Yeah, it's, that's what... But that's always been my favorite type of uh, sketch has been the theater stuff that is like... Uh, you could only do this in a theater. Like, yeah. you know, like when uh, Delaney and Dave's sketch show was one of the first ones I saw that had like a bunch of weird physicality and stuff. And me and Justin did the all the helium filled balloons with the things to uh, symbolize water in our lifeguard right, show. Because right, right. I was just into that. I mean, I would never even think to go that far. <laughs> <If> like, <laughs> I, 
plants outside of the theater that you could participate with. <laughs> and just the, the final thing on that one was we're guaranteed the sentence, which was the secret to happiness that we would reveal at the end of the show. So at the end of the show, we're still outside and we're like, okay, we've brought the, the a car with a locked box containing the secret of happiness is now arriving. And it was my car would pull up and uh, this guy would get out with this box and we open it and unveil it and it's don't be a sucker. And then we have all this raw cookie dough in the box that we start pelting the audience with. (laughs) And then we jump in the car and drive away. And leave them out. just leave them. And that's the end of the show. We don't even come back to the theater. We just leave the audience out in the street. So yeah, that's probably something you could not do. That's really that's really that's so fun to me. We in my college sketch group, we did a big show every semester like uh for like, you know, 400 people and our my junior year, we brought everyone into the main foyer of the college to sing Christmas carols after the show. Mm. And we uh were like and then after at the end of the Christmas carols we'll all go back into the theater for one last and we kept saying that. And then once we got everyone started on Christmas carols and there was like cookies and milk out, mm-hmm. we just left and went cleaned up our props and went back home like and just <laughs> left the audience kind of like hanging out in the foyer at Marist to figure out what to do next. And I that was totally a bite off of all like you know the shit you would hear about the state and ucb at that point like yeah we were like just totally like you know 20 years old like let's fuck with the audience these guys paid to come see our show wait and in chicago it's like freezing in the winter right? you guys yeah, that one show i'm talking about was the summer to be uh. fair but uh <laughs> the virtuality was all year round that that other one i remember being during the summer um but we liked that element, and I don't. I think it's part of the reason we we sold the show. But once we got to New York, before we sold the show, we were like, we got to get people's attention. And the Today, we we were, we knew the Today Show had this audience out there every day that was completely live live TV. And we're like, we got to go do something. We got to go fuck with Al Roker. And he, fought, I don't know if you heard about this, but on there was this show this this year on New Year's on NBC right before their countdown called A Toast to 2015, like a Talking Heads kind of show with oh, yeah. all NBC stars. And Al Roker was on it, and they were, t- I guess, they were talking about pranks during the year, or I forget what the theme was at that point in the show. But he was like, "Well, I don't know if anything happened this year." But uh, one time, and one time is what, almost 10 years. 17 years ago, Jeez. or 20 years ago, he told about what I'm telling you, is uh, we came out and we knew the way to get on was to say it was your birthday or you wanted to do a proposal or something. There was always proposals. So Walsh said, I want to propose to my girlfriend on air. So Al Roker was like, after the break, we'll do this. And it comes to him. And uh, the plan was to have Walsh do the proposal, but I'm dressed as this character, Little Donnie. And the premise of Little Donnie was he has an enormous penis, of which, he, of which he is unaware. And That's it's a handicap, disease. right? Yeah, the handicap is he's not aware of it. So he always has his huge <laughs> dick that goes down to his knees hanging out of his shorts. <laughs> and since he's just a six-year-old kid, it's just... 
it's naive and non-sexual and he does you know so i play it as a six-year-old kid of course i'm a fucking six to adult and I'm, I'm standing behind walsh is is hiding me and i think i have like my sweatshirt over the dick but once i see the cameras on me and he does the proposal i start jumping up and down in excitement and walsh moves out of the way and for a brief, you know, 10 to 20 seconds, you see my big dildo flopping up and down. and Which take, is like a foot and a half long, if I remember correctly. Like well, you know, it's a dildo size, whatever. <laughs> it was attached to my dick. That was the extra foot. Yeah, it was a four-inch dildo attached to the yeah. end of your foot-long penis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's funny, you can see it, you can, you can, uh, if you put little Donnie Today Show, folks, you can probably find it, or I think it might even be on UCB Comedy, but he's, I'm jumping up and down, and you see Al take a second to see it and get pissed off, he gets pissed off, and then everyone be around me starting to notice, if you play it in slow-mo, it's doubly funny. <laughs> a side story to that is I'm just starting to date my now wife, Danielle, and she tell she I guess she didn't understand what I was gonna do, but I told her I was gonna prank the Today Show. She tells her fucking parents, "Hey, make sure to watch the Today Show this morning." That new boyfriend of mine that that that, that you're so on the they fence got about. To see it. Only the West Coast got to see it. Of course, it was edited out for the or the East Coast. It was edited out for the West Coast feed. Yeah, and then we hit it two more times. Um, not as funny or outrageous, but uh, once we had this this sport called Thunderball, and during the Super Bowl, Ian got on as his character Steve Youngblood, and from the Amish Rake Fighters, yeah, and he, <laughs> and nice, and Al thought it was going to be some fan talking about the Patriots or Green Bay or whatever. <laughs> And he just starts <laughs> listing off all the rules of our crazy sport, Thunderball. There's a handgun in the outfield, and there's girls in bikinis running around, and uh, dogs. And, and I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> and then another time, you know how they do the pans of the whole crowd? We had a bunch of people in the crowd with fake signs that all folded out to say, my tits. <laughs> Like some line, and then my like, you know. I'm so oh, you mean like they, if you place them together correctly, it spelled out my tits. And well, they would have a sign that said, uh, I can't think of an example, but like I'm so happy about, and then fold out my tits as the camera panned around. <laughs> so you see the camera pan around, going my tits, my tits, my tits. <laughs> my tits was like the punchline to like twenty yes. people's posters. <laughs> I can't live without, and then they would like fall down my tits. And then we hit Good Morning America once, <laughs> which has a smaller little crowd inside, which is hard to get into because you have to sign up and everything. Amy was dressed as a giant talking pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> Like a before and after kind of giant pants. Oh. <laughs> and these were, I don't even explain the premises, but they're premises within a show we were doing. And then Ian was drinking his own urine. So he had a big jug of urine that as the camera came around, I forget what he says, but it's basically, I'm drinking my urine. <laughs> Out of context, and these are even better. Amy shouting in the middle of some pants. Amy hated doing those fucking things. 
Yeah, because it doesn't feel like a very Ian, based on what I know about the guys, all you guys now, it doesn't feel like a very Ian thing either. Well, I just said Amy, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Amy, Amy hated it, but I don't know. I definitely liked it the most. But, yeah, uh, it's in your wheelhouse, too, because it's like... Um, stirring shit up is... One a, of the best pranks we... So once we sold the show, we... we one of the premises was we'll always take a character from the show or a premise from the show into real life and and see how people react to it. On hitting cameras. So just just back up real quick. Yeah. So you were doing these pranks when you were, you arrived in New York. We're trying to sell UCB as a sketch show. Mm-hmm. So you started doing some live sketch shows, but you're like, we can also get buzz for ourselves and for our shows if we're yeah. out there doing yeah. this shit on national television. Yeah, and the little Donnie one in particular definitely did. People started to hear about Th- that. That's one. like... The proto viral video, right? You're like forcing yourself into, like, because there's no YouTube or anything like that. You're making viral videos. Yeah, we would play it at our our show. So I guess how else would people have seen it? I guess people just saw it at the show and then talked about it. Yeah, I can't think of any other way. It was weird seeing. So, like I said, they played it in this fucking uh, New Year's special. <laughs> Al played it. Oh, they showed the clip. Yeah, they censored it, but they showed the clip, and it was the first time I'd ever seen. Because mine was a VHS, and that's the only version that that's been passed around the internet all these years. And it was weird seeing a nice high def version of it now. Oh, that's so funny! And does, did he reference that who you guys are now? No, he just said this guy, some guy. He at least <laughs> should have uh, noted, recognized Matt Walsh of Veep, right? <laughs> some guy. Come on, Al. You know who it was. We were banned from Conan. They did know who it was eventually. And uh, Conan didn't ban us, but we were up on the show doing some characters once, and all the security had chased me off that day. So they they recognized me. Because you guys would do bits on Conan as part of like... All the time. And security saw me, and I saw them like whispering and pointing at me at the end of the hall. And I went up to Conan or Andy or something. I was like, I'm about to get kicked out if you don't say something to them. And they said something like, those guys are just pranking and having fun giving them a break so they did oh so you almost got thrown out a day when you were there legally to yeah. work you almost yeah. got thrown out yeah and this is they- probably a month or two later too <laughs> i guess i'm not recognizable um well but, to be fair you had your huge dong out at yeah my big dick always had a big boner in those halls um so we start doing pranks on once we did get the sketch show that was the thing on every show and Make, thinking of Ian, I'd say one of the best ones we did was we had this uh, scene called Santa Liqueur, like uh, liqueur for children or something like that. I forget exactly <laughs> how it went. But the prank was he dressed up as Santa Claus and stood outside F is it F. F.A.O. Schwartz. F.A.O. Schwartz, which is a toy store in New York, a huge one. That's the one that Tom Hanks and Big does the... Da, yeah. Da, 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 yeah. Stood out that clanging a bell and giving out free samples of Santa liqueur. <laughs> and we have these all these people being really pissed at him. <laughs> Children shouldn't drink, you know... All, that's my favorite kind of prank is when people get self-righteous. Right. When you force the people to make themselves look like rather than, like yeah. you let the, you kind of give them the leash to let them go be assholes. Yeah. Because that's I, always I, like like on like just to go to punk real quick. Like when someone like when you think your car is smashed in mm-hmm. and the person's mad, that's like 
that's not a weird reaction for that person to be no, upset that, that their car right. was smashed. But when they get the person to voice their own beliefs yep. obnoxiously, that's when I feel like those pranks really hit. Yeah, and it's like the le- bait out there. Yeah, it's like less about little Donnie's uh, dick, which is it's just funny, but it's more about how people react to that, and it's like more like definitely I. Pr- I always like to prank people I didn't think I would like, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> especially when we got into that show Crossballs, which maybe we'll talk about later. But I was like, I don't want, like, when we think of something of uh, something that would hit a, a kind of liberal point of view or something, I'm like, I, I like those people. Let's go after fucking dickheads. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to say surprise your uncanny camera at the end let's fucking well yeah piss them off and let them (laughs) ride off into the wind thinking they were on a serious talk show i don't care about these people Uh, Uh, a lot of people who are like uh anti-gay marriage priest and uh yeah let's uh, talk about crossballs we're kind of we're dancing around it now i I was i I loved crossballs that was a show where you had on uh real like uh, it was a debate show like kind of the cnn crossfire it was a mixture of crossfire and a hardball but it was uh people uh, comedians doing characters debating real people who didn't know yeah (laughs) which Um, that's an insane conceit to i now knowing what I know about TV, to like make that show happen where you'd have to keep someone in the dark who was a guest it on the show. It was very hard. I could only imagine behind the scenes it was difficult. It's very hard. Uh, they had to sign a release that said they're sitting there reading the word crossballs, the debate show. Sometimes we just, when the producers, they'd be called, it was called the debate show, the, the debate show. They would show up and, uh, and some very few, we had 24 episodes the last one didn't happen because the guy sued us in Comedy Central such a degree they canceled the episode in the show pretty much. <laughs> that was a gun control one. It was one of the craziest ones and hilarious. Uh, and I, I pissed this guy off so bad. I'll just cut to that one. Yeah, but, let's, uh, let's talk about this. <laughs> um, I don't know about this one. This guy was a gun control fucking asshole or a gun nut and against all forms of gun control. And my premise was uh, guys who use guns are pussies and uh, real men use rocks to defend themselves or go hunting with rocks. <laughs> and, uh, and the first, and I said, and I was, and I had a whole premise about the bigger your gun is, the smaller your dick is. And guys who have guns have small penises. And I give the guy a dick pump when he shows up. <laughs> And uh, at one point, I pull out my big rock, and I'm like, you couldn't get your gun on the airplane, but I can carry this on the airplane. <laughs> Later on the internet, going on this guy's uh, crazy gun message board, when he's bitching about me, I read that he said he had a knife in his pocket, and he wanted to use it at that moment when I brought my fucking Holy rock shit, out. could you imagine getting stabbed over a fucking comedy debate? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can at this point. <laughs> yes, I can. That, after that show, I, was, I quit doing pranks after that show. That's well, the things, last prank got, I ever did. It's not the right culture for pranks people anymore. Everyone is so tightly wound, and it's dangerous. It's now dangerous. It is. Yeah. And after that show, we I pissed off. I, we had this anti-drug uh, lady on. Um, she's like, you're a jeopardy to society. I'm like, you're a wheel of fortune to society. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> we would get these people like red in the face, angry, their lips trembling. Because you, cause you know what's going to piss these types of people off. Yeah. So you just Most walk them, them into conservative it. right wing assholes. Yeah. <laughs> so we just tweak them. I would just we would just you know make characters which were and you can. If you want to find this, folks, you can get it on YouTube or ucbcomedy.com, most of them. But uh, we just find whatever would completely tweak him. Like the anti-gay guy, I I was a guy who I don't identify as a man or a woman. <laughs> I, I'm an it. And this is in the mid-90s, right? Uh, late 90s? Or probably this is, early uh, 2000s? No, it's 2004. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, not only do I'm... I'm playing off in that whole slippery slope uh, <laughs> argument that they would always use. So yeah, if like, gays get married, what's, what's next? next? Fucking your dog? You know, you're like, yep. what? So I go. You're... Not only am I married, to <laughs> I was like, I'm in a, I'm in a polygamous marriage, and I, I'd like to introduce my four husband or my. I think it was like, I think it was eight husbands. <laughs> They're all in the audience right now, and I go down. I'm like, there's my brother, and what, so one is my brother. <laughs> So it's an incestual relationship. Is yeah. the, was one of them a German Shepherd? I, I don't know if I had an actual dog, <laughs> but uh, so we just hit every single thing that would piss them off to where they were just so mad. I fucking loved it. Oh, that's but, right. Uh, I you still see flavors of that in things you like to do, like on Improv for Humans when you used to call up people and mm-hmm. uh, get after them for that. You like to instigate debates with the crowd if someone. Yep, yeah, I do. Say- I'll when I. When I work a crowd, I think there's some other stand-ups that kind of do this, but I'm not someone who says I need to please the whole... I'm not going to delude myself into thinking I like every person in the crowd. And then everyone should like me, yeah. (laughs) Right. And if I... I did this last night. I did a set where there was this one dude. Just, if you're going to be... Cross your arms and look at me with a frown, I'm going to come right at you. (laughs) I could give a fuck. If you don't like me, I'm going to show you how much I don't like you (laughs) and show you how that feels. And secretly also be like kind of present to the audience how ridiculous is this guy for not liking me i feel like it's part of it too where because yeah. i'm the same way if i see someone having fun i'm like well let's get into oh okay it's because you're an asshole not because of me <laughs> yeah why not uh and it's fun i'm i guess that's how i'm an asshole but i because yeah. he's he's paying for his ticket i guess he can frown if he wants to but but then you can frown don't. at home and not spend money on a ticket <laughs> Right. That's like I, the people who like go on roller coasters and get off and are like, that sucked. Or like people who go to haunt, that, those people are the worst. People who go to haunted houses and like the whole time are like, stupid, fake, this is bullshit. I'm like, get the fuck out of here because you're ruining other people's time. And a fucking guy sitting there not laughing, looking pissed, or a girl on her phone or doing something at a comedy show, that shit is infectious. That's like contagious oh, bullshit. Know. You ruin it for other people. Start to be like, why isn't this guy like it? What's wrong with this guy? Or like the last Star Wars, even like. Really? You're going to fucking nitpick it? Come on. Have a good right. time. Right. After the, like, everyone wrote a fucking essay about Star Did you see, one of my favorite things was Huffington Post ported, uh, posted 40 plot holes in the new Force Awakens, and then some oh. dude, some other writer, just took those 40 plot holes and ripped them to shred. Oh, okay. Sorry. The guy wanted to fuck, maybe watch the goddamn movie and just broke down all of their stupid plot so holes. So they weren't plot holes, he was saying? Basically? Yeah, he, they were saying they weren't plot holes. They, he was saying, like, you're, you're reaching 
stretching so far. And you know, it's stuff like why do why does the uh why do they care so much that one stormtrooper escaped? And he's like, Cause he freed their most valuable prisoner because of this, because of this, you fucking idiot. And it's and like the for, like the fortieth one is like, just enjoy the goddamn movie or something like that. And I, I I feel that way. I like to discuss what sucks about things too, but we I feel like people just it's take okay it, to say what sucks, but to write off the movie because of some of small things. It's like fuck you. You're just what, trying to show how much better you are. Than I feel like a lot of times when people say they don't like things, it's to show that their taste is better than it really is. Whether mm-hmm. it's like, well, are you not allowing yourself to enjoy movies then? Like people who go to movies like twice a week and hate everything. I'm like, then you don't have to go. Are people who write off an entire genre of anything? I don't like improv. You know, <laughs> it's like, all right, I don't I, like. You know, I, musical comedy. Really, you're just going right off all of it. Anytime someone says you don't like improv, often stand-up comedy friends of mine, um, I back them into saying, telling me, making them tell me an improv show they saw. Yeah, exactly. And it's always a friend's graduation show. Right. Some bullshit. Uh, this group that went on before me at under St. Mark's. Oh, I was at the clubhouse hosting. So it's like, right. go see fucking Askat. Go see Two Square. Go see uh, fucking Weird Ass. Go see the best improv shows. <laughs> it's like... Bad stand-up, bad theater, bad movies, bad television is bad. It, but people like will see see a three hundred one graduation Harold at two in the afternoon on a Sunday, and then assume that's what improv is. Yeah. <laughs> that used to be the thing. I don't watch TV. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, cool. Now you don't watch all the best program, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, people who don't have TVs and. Fine if you don't watch TV, but then there's people who don't watch TV who work in television. Oh, that's double annoying. Like, that's like the worst type of people who are like, oh, I don't like anything that's on air. What do you do? I write. I'm trying to write for TV. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. You don't even know what's good. (laughs) Or people want to get into comedy who are like, I I have all the time graduates of the school I went to. Can we meet for coffee and you give me advice? And I've I've actually stopped doing that now because... Well, you went to Emerson, right? Amherst. Amherst. All right. Um... And I'll start to talk to them. I'm like, what shows have you seen at the theater? Oh, I haven't seen a show yet. What? You're going to fucking take me to a coffee shop and you haven't bothered to see a goddamn show at my theater? I won't say this. Not even of mine, no less, but not even at my theater. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. If you're ever going to ask anyone for a favor or advice. Know their shit. Fucking listen to their podcast or... uh, uh, Watch the uh, show Larry, that they write on. Larry Miller went to Amherst, and uh, I, uh, I, this is back before the internet. I fucking uh, what? No, no. Oh, yeah. I just didn't want to breathe into the microphone. No, I. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were like, don't talk about it. not Larry Miller. He's my arch nemesis. <laughs> I uh, love Larry Miller. <laughs> but I, uh, I think there's a pressure. I don't know if it's Amherst or liberal arts schools or small schools to connect with alumni when you leave. Because all my friends are doing like, I guess I want to get in comedy. I guess I should call Larry Miller. So I contacted him and and I didn't even know what the fuck I wanted to ask him. Right. And that's when you're 22 years old. Right. And you just know, I want to do comedy. And like Larry Miller is like a 
a stand-up, like a pure stand-up comedian at that point, and I guess actor right. too. But I went to the fucking library because there was no YouTube video <laughs> of him to watch. And I remember getting his record and listening to the seven stages of denial of being an alcoholic or something. I oh, that's awesome. <laughs> the bit was, but I was like, I'm going to fucking know his work before I call him up and ask him for a goddamn favor. A hundred percent. Annoying. When, and this one woman, Amherst grad, I was like, what's the last comedy show you saw? Oh, my parents took me to see Louis Anderson in <laughs> Vegas. And I wanted to go get the fuck. Turn around so I can kick you in the fat ass. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the easiest part, like oh, one, of- one more thing. And she wanted to, her big question to me was, how do I sell my sitcom? She's 22, has zero experience, hasn't seen anything except for a Louis Anderson show. <laughs> and she has a s- script written, uh, assu- oh, assumedly. Well, who doesn't? But, yeah. <laughs> it's like, really? You think you can just waltz into Hollywood and just. Go to the man at NBC and get your script stamped. Yeah, I have friends, young people who email me all the time or, you know, friends of friends that want to get into comedy that ask me what to do. And they're like, um, could you get someone to read my script? I'm like, I can't even get someone to read my script, mm. dude. I would love to help you guys. But I'm and, and my advice is always the same. It's like, go see comedy, go make comedy, go take comedy comedy classes <laughs> like that i don't know that's how i started i don't know how else to do it you just have to do that yeah you jump in the fucking pool man and you stay in there like i don't get it man the I, easiest I, i'm thing- so bugged by those people because like saying earlier i just i'm not a misanthrope but i don't think i like 50 percent of the world at least <laughs> especially <laughs> When you uh, when I hear the show, I just write them off. I'm like, well, I've already written you off. If that's if that's your work ethic and that's the way you're approaching this, just get that's the fuck out of here. One of the easiest things you could do as a young person who wants to like learn about comedy or learn about anything is watch and consume things that are in the ilk that you want to learn. Like, if you want to be a writer uh, and you want to write novels and you're not reading novels, who the fuck do you uh, that? That always pissed me off. Like one of my things I would always say as a teacher at UCB would be like, if I'm like, you're not seeing a show, you're trying to do improv without ever seeing someone do it well. That would be like playing high school football and never watching a football game and being like, I'm pretty sure I get how it goes. It's like, why wouldn't you watch people at the no, top? I'll try this. <laughs> um, Give me the ball. I know what I'm doing. At our at our theater, I'm pretty sure every night between the two theaters there's a free show like there's no excuse exactly that's not another to be there <laughs> and if there's not a even if you can't make it to that free show there is a five dollar show right. if you don't have five dollars a week to to dedicate towards learning something from your craft then you're not ready like <laughs> yeah it's just annoying if i'm in my 20s and i'm not a, a young father i just don't get why you're not at a comedy show every night. Yeah, or watching comedy movies or sitting around with a group of friends writing a comedy sketch. Like, you know, you, you don't even... even comedy to... movies is lazy because... Oh, it's... They're late. not at that point yet to write a comedy movie. <laughs> right, that's break. true, that's true. But you... you watch stripes analyze stripes what right, you know like right. do that shit that you can do that's even cheaper than going to see a comedy even mm-hmm. less requirements and people still won't do that yeah. um wait let's fuck you shitheads and i don't <laughs> mean you. yeah i'm talking i you. don't mean fans of 
Gabrus. I mean, <laughs> actual shitheads. shitheads. But to be fair, that Venn diagram of real shitheads and people who are my fan <laughs> fans are big o- overlap. Big I'm uncomfortable saying the word fans. I think. Yeah, you don't have fans. They're just your followers. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a, uh, I'm just a leader. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've, I'm uncomfortable. Like, I don't They're want to make that... listeners. They don't really like you. Yeah, just listen. Honestly, that's how I feel. Is like, I don't want to assume they're listening because they like me, <laughs> which is insane. Why would they listen otherwise? <laughs> Every time I do a case closed, I think that about my listeners. I'm like, oh, I thought you guys were fans. I fucking make one opinion about Hillary, liking Hillary Clinton. I lose every Bernie Sanders. Oh, man, I love the shit that people get mad for. Hillary, people who you get people who get mad at you for supporting Hillary, who are Bernie supporters. It's like you're not the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's like <laughs> yell at the Trump supporters. Exactly. If, the real if it comes down to Bernie versus Trump, let's not assume that you're going to pr- out of protest pick Trump because <laughs> yeah, Hillary's exactly. not in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm feeling the burn. BT Dubs. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to hear about Stung? Let's so, hear. Let's talk Stung. So this was right after UCB. I was still feeling it. I'm like, I think pranks is my special comedy skill, you know. And you had some experience from producing them for the UCB shows. So you yeah. know what it looked like on TV. You I guys were like the hidden first camera. hidden we camera were, glasses, man. right? Hidden camera glasses were uh, Buzzkill. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Dave Sheridan. I knew David from. Uh, he he once tried to prank me actually in Chicago. The Buzzkill guy. Oh, that's and, awesome. <laughs> uh, he's sitting there doing some nerd character to me out on the street. I'm like, dude, don't bullshit a bullshit. A I'm like, <laughs> you so obviously are doing a character. Get out of my face. When we were at Politicon together, some dude came up to me. He was like, do you mind if I interview you for my web show? I was like, sure. And he was clearly like had some weird ass premise of a prank that he was trying to do to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, he was like, well, you know, he was, he was like ripping off Kyle Mooney's kind of like, mm-hmm. what exactly is this guy talking about bit? Right. And I was just fucking, I was yes ending, but annihilating. I was playing into his, but uh, like as if I'm the perfect, I'm the biggest Mark ever. And then when we, I was just so happy to fucking shit all over this young. <laughs> I have two of those stories. One my the worst improv for humans, which I've since taken down because I didn't like what I became on the show. But <laughs> this guy interviewed me for I think PBS. It was something legitimate, and he tried to do that that uh, between two ferns bullshit on me of uh, being clueless and. He presented himself as a fan over an email, and then when I did the thing, he was just being clueless and really fucking annoying. So you had him on Improper Humans to do? No, this, this is before that. Oh, okay. He interviewed me for for PBS, and then during in the middle of the interview, like I see, I see through it. I'm like, you're trying, dude. I see. I see you're not being real. I see. Just be. Are we? Are we? And you're not being funny. I forget what I said to him during the thing. But I was like, okay, are we doing... I forget what I said to him, but I called him out on it. I'm like, I know what you're doing. Just stop it because it's fucking annoying. <laughs> and Because, like I said, I come from a place of prank people you don't like. So I, I'm not like, oh, I dish it out. I'll take it. I'm like, no, if you're pranking me... <laughs> I'm going to get pissed the way the people I prank got pissed. Um, so I called him out, but then later I interviewed him on Improv. For, I interviewed him of like basically what were you thinking? You and called I, him from the studio? 
Well, I had him on. I invited him on. Cause he's like, I'm sorry, man. I am a fan. And I was like, I don't give a fuck if you're a fan. And I, I kind of lost my cool. And I'm a little ashamed of it. But uh, I shouldn't have lost my cool. But uh, when I had him as a guest on my show. So that's why I got rid of that episode. But uh, <laughs> one time I'm driving to Crossballs, it so happens, when I'm producing it. And I get a call from uh, a Colorado. This is another story. A Colorado, uh, an Aspen radio station. And this guy's like, hey, Matt Besser, this is DJ so-and-so, whatever his name was. Uh, wonder if we can interview you on the phone. And the way he was talking, like in that kind of... He didn't have Drive a DJ time. voice like I'm doing, but he, he had a... I don't usually do pranks kind of voice yeah. and just don't know. I should probably talk in my normal voice and sound more real. <laughs> yeah. He's being presentational. Uh, right. So I'm already. Uh, oh, so there is this group in New York, and I wasn't even in New York, who somehow thought that I cut them as a Herald team. So they all started to hate me. <laughs> And I had nothing to do with Herald teams at this point in New York. But since I'd been the former artistic director, people always like to throw the blame up to me. Well, Buster, blah, 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 Buster blah. saw one show, snapped his fingers, and we're all pitizens now. Right. So, <laughs> so for, for this reason, this group didn't like me because they were under the misinformation that I gave a shit about Herald teams in new york which i didn't even see anymore living in la but anyway this guy's like so i almost want to say the name of the group uh, <laughs> uh the boys let's call them uh i hear there's this improv group the boys who uh you don't like and da 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 and i'm like they're there aren't they they're in the room with you right now, right? And they were. And this is on <laughs> a, a live Aspen TV. This is going on some local Aspen show. <laughs> so I saw the tape of this later. <laughs> and I totally fucking call them out and ruin their stupid prank before it's even started. And I fucking just relished watching these fucking dickheads. Like that's the best. The best thing you could do right there is go. What's your end game here, guys? Yeah. <laughs> what's your going, plan? <laughs> uh, I, I said it. I just outright said, "I'm like, look, I can tell the way your voice sounds that you're trying to prank me, and I also can tell the way you're talking about them that they're obviously standing next to you." <laughs> so they were in uh, Aspen for like a comedy comedy festival yes, or a vacation exactly. or something like that. No, they were there for the comedy festival. <laughs> Which double pissed me off, so they're in front of the industry, basically, trying to prank me. <laughs> but I fucking nailed those assholes. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great feeling. Shooting down someone else's bad prank is, yeah. uh, is ideal. I love when my wife tries to trick me or something on a small level, and I already know she's like being phony, and I just play her along just enough to get her like <laughs> <laughs> to watch her be like, oh, "It's really working," and then pull the rug out. <laughs> I know you didn't come. <laughs> you fake. <laughs> I guess it's a girl. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so w what was the uh, Method Man Red Man? Okay, so afterwards, I'm like, I got to do this show. So I, at this point, besides Candid Camera and Buzzkill, I don't think there's been any prank show on TV at this point. 
and I go pitch it at MTV. Um, and I think Buzzkill's over at this point too, because I think Buzzkill was on the same time UCB was on. And I pitch it, and I'm like, I want to be the star of the show, and here's my idea of how the show would go. And they're and they came back to me later with, we love your idea for the show. We don't think you're a big enough name to be at the head of a show. Which is, by the way, very important to pranking people is to not be a name. <laughs> well, when you see... <laughs> a year later, they had punked with Ashton, so... <laughs> We always joke they stole the show from us, which who knows if that's true or not. But um, they they're like Method Man and Red Man want to do a show. Would you want to work with those guys? And I was a huge Wu Tang fan, and I'd actually worked at the RZA before, so I was like, okay, as long as I am not just a writer and I get to do the show too. That's what the show became. It became the uh, three of you guys pranking people. Yeah, but it was called Stung with Method Man and Red Man. But I, it was, was ridiculous. First- <laughs> my name wasn't in the title. <laughs> Met the uh, man, Red Man, and Besser. <laughs> well, it should have been Maddie B because that's what they called me. Um, yo, Maddie B. Every day, Red Man was so. They're both high, but Red Man was so fucking high. He fell asleep in, during one of our pranks. We did this one prank where. <laughs> We were going to have a, we had a, this might have been the best one, where we had a beatbox contest, and they were the judges, and then we would bring, and we had really the best beatboxers in the New York area there, and they were unbelievable. And we would have, they would, the premise was, we're bringing you in two at a time, and we'll judge and eliminate one of you. So it would always be me versus one of the beatboxers. <laughs> and I would just be doing the most either basic, just the most basic shit, or really uh, absurd shit. Like, you know, just it's not even beatboxing. It's just squealing. Or one of the ones was I wasn't making any sound, but making it look like I was doing it. And they would pick you. They would always pick me and compliment me <laughs> and denigrate them and call them hack. Um, that was probably the best one and worth finding on the internet. But uh, uh, when we first started that one, we brought—I remember bringing in the first beatboxer uh, into the room, and Redman was dead asleep on the at the judges' table. <laughs> on the judges' table, Red. I was like, Redman, Redman. Yo, what's up, man? That must have been. Was that a fun experience? That job, or was that a nightmare? Because no, it was fun. They were uh, always crazy late and always high. But who gives a fuck? I had fun, and uh, an employee, a fellow worker, being high isn't one of my big problems. (laughs) Not in comedy, (laughs) you have a hard time being upset about that. All writing with them was fun because I would have, if I may toot my own horn, like three, you know, uh, pranks with like three or four levels to them, and they would be like. Uh, one of the ones that we did on the show. I'm ashamed to say, because it was just bad. Hey, let's put a a dollar in some doo doo and see who picks it up. You guys put poo dollar on television, and I was like, I think I know who's gonna pick it up, and it's not gonna be funny. It's gonna be. Oh. It's gonna be the tricks. It's gonna be. It's really gonna be people sad. who need a dollar. 
<laughs> it's going to be really sad, people. And it was. And we did it. And it <laughs> we were inside this big old you know, SUV with a hidden camera next to the poo. I think it was a dirty, it was a poo diaper, basically. Oh. And uh, it would always be a, a poor homeless person. But the the one I remember most, it was like an it was like an old, 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 uh, hunched over old man. Oh. And I was like, guys, no, 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 no. <laughs> and we would jump out, and the thing was, you got stung. <laughs> they would always yell. Imagine Method Man, who's a huge Yeah, it's dude. like a six foot five black yeah. dude scaring the shit out of In some little old white Fucking guy. starter's jacket. <laughs> jumping out of an SUV. <laughs> screaming at you. You don't know what. Stung. What's that? Yo, you got stung. <laughs> and every one of them were scared shitless. Not of the prank but just of anyone yelling at them jumping out of uh... <laughs> right they don't you don't have to know context for like two guys jumping out of a car screaming at you yeah it's terrifying and that made the show i don't know if that particular one made the show i was like guys i'm not comfortable with this anymore i don't think these people deserve to get yeah. pranked that went against my uh my philosophy i put down of doing it to people who you don't like yeah it's either don't like or have such pretension. Like I think those beatboxers were worthy because most of them were so pretentious about their beatboxing. Right, right, right. On Crossballs, I one time had a music critic on who I actually agreed with all the. I, he actually introduced me to Modest Mouse. Funny <laughs> enough, but uh, but he was so pretentious in his writing. I was like, he he could be taken down a peg. Right, right. But then right. again, I'm not. He's also not leaving the show really pissed off either. Right. So, uh, well, because at least he knows in the end he's a music critic. <laughs> like, you don't have to, like, you're not being personally affronted in that situation. Like, right, right. Those people who have, like, those super... I love, even if someone, even if I agree with them, someone who believes something super strong to the point where they're offended if you are, like, disagree with it, that's like, <laughs> those people need to be fucking <laughs> taken down. We had we did a science a science episode where these guys weren't bad they, they are evil I'd say they were more on the pretentious side but uh, one guy was anti cloning and he had some good points and uh, so we had these twins on and uh, one is there and he's pro cloning and another one is on the the satellite feed which is actually just going backstage but they think is across the country and he, so one is uh i forget which is which but one is pro cloning on the set and the other one is on the satellite is anti cloning and they're presented with different names and different professors and they're supposed to debate each other and they're not being presented as twins so uh so the joke is they're they're sitting there doing that twin thing where they kind of finish off each other's sentences and they're and they're dressed. We had them dressed in like opposite ties. Like one is like pink with blue stripes, the other's blue with pink stripes. And like and at, Tom Axe and Zamot from GI Joe. And they're at the end they're they're speaking the same words. We had this memorized exact same line that they were sa- saying at the same time while they're. <laughs> accusingly pointing at each other and that was one of my favorite moments we had this, this this guy and he's so disagreeing with one of them and so mad about that and then but he's a smart guy and he eventually catches on he's like 
he looks at me and goes, ah, uh, you guys are good. <laughs> that's like, that's a very funny prank because that is yeah. like that is victimless and that's just a really funny bit. Yeah, that's yeah, a really. Yeah. Funny he was the only guy to realize during the show, oddly enough. Oh, that's so funny. Um, of all the... And we also pranked the audience. The audience was just a regular audience, so they'd be getting pissed off at our characters, too, and yelling at us. Oh, that's because they would just be, like, standard L.A., like, yeah. you guys want $10 to yeah. sit in the crowd? Yeah. <laughs> Those people are all well-adjusted human beings <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that have three hours free on a weekday afternoon for 10 I bucks. can't remember what it was, but there was one where I, I just had some premise about Jesus. I can't remember what... I really can't remember what it was, but as soon as the cameras went down, there were these women in the front row who were yelling at me. <laughs> they wanted to kick my ass. What about uh, other prank stuff? Do you do you like that you're a fan of? Did you watch um, Nathan for you? Because I, I feel watched like a that's few ca- episodes. That's I think that wheelhouse. is really smart. It's the truth is I don't. I'm a dad. Now you got me into dad stuff. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, no, there's just so little time to watch <laughs> yeah. anything. And when I do, I honestly want to go to my, my dramas and stuff. So Or the yeah. show I'm, I'm about to be on or a friend of mine show. So, so Na- that, you, there's so many making ob- the cut. So, many obligation to, so much obligation television where you're like, yeah. I'm so, guest starring on this. I should watch that it. That does sound up my alley, though. It, it definitely It is anywhere else. I think sometimes he chooses some people that are sadder than I would want to, you know, like I feel like not exploitative, but I'm like, oh, this is kind of a bummer because this dude is sad. But he presents it in such a positive way, and he mm-hmm. he's just he has like this character arc on the show that is just like I think it's super fun. I think it's really it's really funny and up there. And I I liked Punked when it came out too. When it wasn't my favorite parts of Punked, and now in hindsight knowing what I know and that they're actually good comedians working on that show, like B.J. Novak and mm-hmm. I mean I I'm a Dak Shepard apologist, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like like those moments. After they've gotten past the original prank, when like the, the the example that always comes to mind is like they're in a store, someone accidentally lets the cat out, and they find out the cat's worth like a million dollars or whatever, and it's and the, the person's panicking. But then the shit that they get them to do after the fact is like, I need you to jingle this key and say Tinder Vittles, Tinder Vittles, and like the person who is being pranked is walking around going Tinder Vittles, Tinder Vittles, and it's like that to me is when it, I think it takes that next level when you go like one step even into the like the clone bit, like forcing. Right. That guy yeah, it's rather than have levels, right? Once you but once you get past the original conceit of like we fucked your car up, which is not one of my favorite pranks, but then from there it's like, but you know you really damaged my hammer. So that's I'm why gonna... I hated that show is because I felt like every time I turn on, it's about someone's goddamn car, right? I guess it's like hard to figure out a way to prank somebody, celebrities. yeah, celebrities in LA without like fucking with their car or you know they're all attuned to being on I camera. But uh, I got a quasi-punk story. So very recently, there was this show on TBS. I, I can't even remember what it was called. It was a, It only lasted a season where they would have so-called celebrities, I being one of the guests, where we'd compete with each other and we'd all do a prank. Where those type, like punk, where you're talking in someone's earbud and telling uh, them what okay. to do. But they wouldn't let us write the prank, which is why I said I'd do the show. I thought I'd be able to write my own prank. They gave me a prank, and I was like, really? All right. And it was done by the same guy. It was done by Ashton's company and the same guy, I wish I knew the guy's name, who uh, who produced Punked. 
and I get there and they're like, okay, it's going to be at a swimming pool and you, the, the mark is, uh, someone you've hired to, that's been hired to take care of the, I don't know, do like security for the pool and, and, and like Kirk Fox was the comedian and Kirk Fox is dressed as a homeless guy in the pool and he won't get out. And you're <laughs> supposed to tell Kirk what to say, which is like, oh, great. I got to tell a comedian. He has his own things he wants to do. Right. I got to get in his ear and tell him. And he's a funny guy. And I got to tell him what to do. And there was this other person. I forget what her name was. That was I was also telling her what to do. So I'm supposed to be puppeting these comedians to prank this guy. So and we had several guys you know, they had had like six marks for the day to come in. Right. And on the first mark, he starts to come in and I can't remember what I said, but I was like, okay, go up to him and say, uh, I can't remember what I said, but uh, go up to him and say that you need a towel. Blah, 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 blah. As I start to say this, this producer starts it. We're in a van, like a hundred yards from the pool, you know, watching all the shit on monitors. He starts screaming at me, John, like I haven't been screamed at as an adult. What the fuck are you doing? You started too soon. We're supposed to let him settle in first. That's how you do a prank. He starts lecturing me on oh. pranks. I say, and what you said was like an uh, arbitrary kind of like, you know, it wasn't like a huge like reveal bit moment. No. Right? Yeah, yeah. And fuck him, it was completely subjective. <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. thing with the prank was still going on while he's yelling at me. The guy's still in the middle of being duped. And I was like, look, motherfucker, no one's going to be yelling at me like that. If you fucking yell at me again, I'm going to fucking walk out of here right now. And uh, he's a big, and this is a big guy. I guess they called him Jewbaka. <laughs> that's a, behind his back that's a great fucking nickname by the way <laughs> um and, and being a a jew and a fan of chewbacca i still find that to be a compliment on <laughs> yeah i level. think that's a but, that's a i'm not even i'm a gentile and that's a compliment <laughs> but uh but it was not a compliment he was supposedly a notorious douchebag I, oh. I hope this gets back to him somehow <laughs> um that's, come on, shitheads! Find out. Come on, shitheads! Find out who the producer of this TV. This guy TV. was such a fucking douchebag, and I and it made me so angry from that point onward in the day. I'm like, because in the back of my head, I'm like, this motherfucker telling me how to fucking do a prank. I had pranks on before he ever did. All I oh, he did one of these moves too when he was yelling at me. I've produced over whatever it was, a hundred episodes of a prank show. I think I know the right way to set up a prank. What a sad brag. <laughs> what a sad brag. I've done a thousand Fucking talking asshole. head episodes. <laughs> uh, that is, I, this is a whole tangent, but if all I ask when I'm on set, like, I understand you're supposed to boss me around as an actor who some people treat like human fucking C-stands, mm -hmm. but if you just got to talk to me like a grown-up, and when people, like, take their arms and place me, uh, like, I let I allow that a couple of times, but then, like, eventually I'm like, uh, don't touch me, please. I, you just ask me to stand where you need me to stand. Right. I don't even need a please or a thank you or a smile. Nope. I understand that we're business. don't yell at me. Yeah. Don't fucking touch me. And don't shush. I hate 
being oh shushed. I hate being shushed. And because people just do it like first ADs on movies or TV shows are just going shh in like in between every take. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that, do you think that helps? That doesn't even work on fucking kindergartners. We're mm-hmm. all adults here. Just say, hey, quiet. And we'll be quiet. I and never. I, and, I, and I'll tell you what, I've been an extra too in my uh, early 20s. And extras do act like animals sometimes that you they and i've been i was in a, a crowd scene in the movie the babe you do have to be yelled at yeah you do have to be and <laughs> right. i get that but i'm not a fucking extra anymore and i didn't choose to be like they signed on to do that and they know what that that's like extras are living props in a way i did the i did extra work too on 30 rock right it so was- but i i didn't sign up to do that so don't you can't treat me like an extra right there's nothing more disheartening than you go to an audition you memorize your lines you go to a callback you go through you're judged you're chosen you show up you fucking put on clothes that they barely thought about that don't fit right. they fucking cut your hair trim your beard force you to do this force you to do that you have to take your shirt off in a scene it's all and then when you get there you're still barely respected it's like give me a fucking break this has been I've been funneling diarrhea to be part of this career right. to, be, to be part of this job here I've just been eating shit daily <laughs> I show up on set when you think you're about to be like well at least here i'll be treated and then everyone is kind of like you're like oh i didn't realize that the everyone was already mad at each other but i'm new here <laughs> and to be fair my experience is usually are treated almost too much like a king like i'll set up to, to some sitcoms and i'm like whoa who the fuck they think i am right uh so it is nice most of the time but so when it's not that and it should be like people think actors need to be pampered well on the day, you kind of do, because you can't be stressed out. You can't be in your head. I don't need to be pampered, pampered, but I do need to eat really well. I do need to be warm. Yeah. I, I do, do need, need to like, have to piss in a comfortable place, because I can't be stressed out in my head about right, shit. Right, because there's so much shit going on. Like, uh, I was t- trying to tell this to someone the other day. I forget what I was saying. I was like, to be an actor... This is such fucking, I know, first world problems, uh, shitheads, but to be an actor, you have to do so much stuff that is not acting (laughs) on a regular basis. Like, if someone is actually very good at acting, you also, like, need to know how to do business, the paperwork, to interact, like, how to dress, what to wear, like, all this shit that is not part of my skill set of just, like, I can be pretty funny when you need me to be. (laughs) Like, that's all I really can do. And then you have to do all this other stuff that entails, and you show up, and they're like, we need you to get paperwork, and anytime... Anyone else, like I did a movie one time where the sound guy was always stressed mm-hmm. and he's miking you and he's like a foot, like, you know, he's like four inches from your face and he's like, fuck down. shit, shit, god damn it, fucking, you know, they give me no time, they give me no time to do my, I'm like, bro, I'm just trying to get in the right headspace before I film a scene, please stop yelling. <laughs> or when you're talking to someone in your, you're in a scene with when uh, they're not rolling and, and you get shushed and you're talking about the upcoming scene, I'm always like, that's kind of a dick move too, yeah. we're like, collaborating <laughs> you give that to the, the first ad is the only guy i like doing that because he's the guy that has to keep the ship moving right, so I, I'll, I'll let him have a little bit of a tone just yeah. don't because he's he's be dealing with every department yeah I'll, I'll let it happen um well that's enough <laughs> back <laughs> from the hollywood bitch session with yeah. maddie b and johnny g <laughs> uh matt thank you for coming on the show i appreciate that i yeah. want to mention one more prank my yes, cd into- may I help you dumbass i think you've heard of that one right, right? yes uh, i i lived in new york because i feel like that's probably the best thing i ever did but the i lived in new york uh and 
at one point there was this website that had a phone number that if you didn't dial the one before the area code and you lived inside New York, you, you thought you were calling Texas, but it would call my apartment. And it was like <laughs> bluelight.com. It was like a huge, it serviced Kmart and all these websites. Oh. So I'd get several calls every day, and even late into the night. And I told them, I said, I, I called the website and I said, this is a problem going there. I'm like, no, people know. I said, just just add in one. Just That's all you had to do. Just add a one. They were like, no, people know when you see an area code to add a one. And I'm like, no, they don't. And they didn't do it. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to start pretending. You gave them an out. <laughs> I did. I really did. Because I wanted the problem to end. Um, they didn't do it. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to record these and give people uh, customer service help. And have. And at the end of it, they will hate Blue light. <laughs> so you were answering the phone under the auspices that you are blue light and yes. just fucking with and people. just being the rudest, asking for their cock ring size, <laughs> seeing imaginary car wrecks outside my window, <laughs> telling them it's my last day on the job and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> may, may I help, I help you, you dumb- dumbass available at uh, uh, theater.com still. Um, and Wild Girls Gone. <laughs> Make Wild <sure> Girls <laughs> Gone. Freak, Freak Dance. Dance. <laughs> My new special. Oh, yeah, let's talk, let's, let's talk. Let's plug. Well, first of all, what uh, you're on. You're at Matt Besser on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Matt at, Besser. And what's this? What's this CISO the kids are talking about? Well, you're on it, buddy. I, uh, <laughs> there's this. There's a new network. The easiest way to say it, they want to be the the comedy Netflix, basically. And it, you know what? It really is. I got to give it to them because they the, the way they sold it to me, they said we have the Kids in the Hall Library and the Money Python Library, um, all in HD. And, and if and no one else has it, I was like, really? So the only way I can see it is buy a DVD or purchase the, DVDs yeah. or purchase or get season. Yeah. yeah. And to me, if you're a comedy nerd, you have to be into those two groups. <laughs> they also have SNL, which I feel like you probably can find other places, but they have the entire library and all this obscure British comedy, like rich vulture snuff box, like great, that kind of like six episode stuff. That's just impossible it, to find. I feel like is Garth Marenghi's dark place on there. I heard it was. Yeah. yeah. These are all some of the best. Uh, really obscure shit. Plus, we we shot a variety show, a comedy variety show at our Sunset Theater of uh, s- sketch uh, characters and stand up, not improv, all honed stuff. And uh, I did a bit my on Mark, my boy Gabrus here did a really funny character, a frat boy character that was brought down the house, <laughs> chugging raw eggs and shit. Um, <laughs> Classic comedy from Gabrus. Seth Morris painting his balls purple, pulling on his pants. I'm just saying the most salacious part of everybody's bit. But I, I know about seven of the bits that uh, were on the show, and I mm-hmm. saw about four others that I didn't know, and they're all funny shit. Uh, just really the greatest hits from our theater in the in the year, and eight episodes of that. It's called the UCB Show. And then I shot a greatest hits of my stand-up act through the years, and I called it Besser Breaks the Record, and that's also there. It's only fucking four bucks a month, so 
Yeah, don't, I mean, don't drink your coffee today and buy a month of CISO. It's less than seeing CISO. one live show. You can have a month for these for those comedy people who are listening and we're wondering. Like, there you go. There's your comedy school. Watch all of Monty Python, oh all God, of UCB. Yes. It really is. Yeah, like, that is uh, anyone the library to go to. Also, I don't S E E S O. I don't. Yeah, S E E S O. I don't want to sound contrarian here, but. Get it. Watch everything in five months. and can't, Like, if that's what you want, you know, stay on it for as long as you want, because there's going to be new program every week. Jonah Ray has a original show on there. UCB cool shows on. coming out weekly. Weekly. Kulop has a show coming out that both of us were on. Yeah. Uh, we both were on Bajillion Dollars. That features a bunch of funny improvisers directed by Lennon and Garant. Yeah. And um, then let them know who sent you. Yeah. Let them know who sent you, baby. <laughs> who loves you, baby? that'll get us a renewed uh, season. Yeah, I would love to do another fucking uh, character totally. where I eat raw eggs and chug two beers and well, a minute. Maybe another character. <laughs> no, all, well, it'll be That's a different character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it'll be, if it's vastly different and still chugs beer and eats eggs. It's a, it's a second beat. Uh, Besser, thanks for coming on the show. As always, listeners, I'm at John Gabris on Twitter. Go on iTunes, rate me five stars, and roast me in the comment, and I will read it and read your name on air. And uh, I would say watch Younger on TV Land. I recur on a few episodes this yeah, next my season. my buddy and his wife write it. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric Zickland. Eric Zickland. and Dottie Zickland are writers on the show. And uh, it's actually... I know it's, you think it's for women. I watched the first season because I was going to be on it, and I ended up really liking it. It's but I am a Sex in the acclaimed. City fan. I actually thought I would not like it either, if that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I thought I wasn't going to like it. I was like, all right, well, I'll just watch it because I'm on it. And then I actually dig the show. It's yeah. really it's cute and not in a negative way. <laughs> yeah, like a two-year-old daughter. Kind of <laughs> yeah, two-year-old daughter. Kind of all right, thanks, shitheads, and thank you, Matt Besser. That was a HeadGum Podcast.